Hello and welcome to another episode of 6 to 6 Deep. In this episode we are jumping into part 2 of Be More Berean with Stephen Furtick. And as I said before, things are getting very live from this point onwards, so I hope you enjoy the journey. So without any further ado, let's hop straight back into this one. And it goes on with the genealogies after that. Okay. So uh, you'll be interested to see where he goes with that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> okay, let, let, let's see where he goes. Well, uh, Elevation so Columbia. He texted me before I got up that he was praying for me while I was preaching, and that's why I'm shouting him out. I'm reciprocating. I appreciate your prayers too as I preach today, that I would be effective that I would be effective for who God wants me to reach. Um, never preached a sermon from Ruth before. Holly walked by the other day and saw my Bible open to Ruth. She said, ooh, Ruth. And my reluctance to preach on Ruth isn't just because it's a book about a woman. I'm not a sexist. I think it's one of those stories that just to give you a sliver or one scene of the story feels like it doesn't do justice to the beauty of the whole thing but still God directed me here and and just sucked me in and so I'm gonna do my best today just from not trying to be cute but I just want to show you one truth from the book of Ruth I guess um, but let's look at this together Ruth chapter 4, verse 9, then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses, verse 11. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. That's a blessing right there. That's a blessing right here. Tell somebody next to you, I'm stepping into a blessing. I'm stepping into a blessing. I'm stepping in. Tell them, give me some room because I'm stepping into a blessing. I need six feet because I'm stepping. All right, all right, but that's not the word. That's not the word today, because we need to read the next verses. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life 
and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. Naomi has a son. You're never going to believe it. But she who was gone for over 10 years because of the famine and came back bitter is holding a son. And they named him Obed, who's the father of Jesse, the father of David. And this is what the Lord told me to tell you today as our message it will come together. Who felt that when I said it? It might be online. Put it in the chat, put it in the comments right now, or tell your six foot three neighbor it will come together. Tell your five foot four, whoever's standing next to you, I'm trying to say. Just make the declaration it will come together. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. It will come together. Kind of one of those cliches that I don't like when people say stuff like that to me. It'll come together. I'll be stressed about a sermon, and Holly will say, It'll come together. I'll be like, Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, that's, that's, that's just a millimeter better than when life gives you lemons <laughs> or lemon. Yeah, how does it go? Make, make lemonade. Cliches, cliches. And yet, I don't mean it in that trite way. Because it, it could sound like that. Oh, I know you lost your job. It'll come together. Could you tell the power company that for me? <laughs> oh, I know you're single. Their friends are married. Don't worry. The Lord has a Boaz for you. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. 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 She wants me to do it. I'm not going to do it. There's, not, there's an old thing online that says, while you're waiting for your Boaz, don't settle for brogaz, poor as, all that. I'm not going to do it. Temptress. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. In Christianity, the book of Ruth is usually identified by chapter 1, verse 16, and it's always in the King James at a wedding. This is the famous verse of Ruth. All right, you're going to know it when I say it. You're like, huh? What's he talking about? You'll know it when you see it. Put it on the screen. This is the King James where it says, Whither thou goest, I will go. You got to get the whither in there for the marriage vows. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a wedding? Whither thou goest? You never said whither in your life, but now you're about to commit your whole self to somebody and you're breaking out words you never use. Whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, thy God my God. I'm not making fun of that verse. That verse in itself is a sermon. In itself, it is a sermon. In, in itself, that one verse shows you that when you decide who, you decide where. When you decide, now this is not how we think. We think, I need to decide where I'm going to college. No, no, no. That's not as important as who you hang out with when you get to college, wherever you go to college, right? I teach that all the time, that because who 
will ultimately identify not only where you end up physically, like Holly wouldn't be in Charlotte if she hadn't married me because she wouldn't have been a pastor's wife, or if she had, maybe the guy JJ she was talking to, he ends up somewhere else. <laughs> and when, <laughs> when you say yes to someone, you say yes to something that you don't know about at the time. And the same with God. When you say yes to God, he'll take you places um, that you never thought you would go. When you say yes to him, who you say yes to, who you say no to, is very important, really important. Tell somebody it will come together. Now, I want you to get that in your mind so we can get it past your mind into your spirit so that you hear it differently when I finish in a few minutes than you hear it right now, because we are all standing in a space in our life where we are needing clarity on some things. And maybe you're not in the same situation as Naomi and Ruth. Both of them being widows were completely dependent on the kindness of someone else. And maybe it's not that bad in your life. Ruth not only lost her husband when she lost her Malon, but Naomi lost her son. Naomi had already lost her husband, Elimelech, and they were already in a strange place. Now, I want to talk to you about this because when you read a Bible verse in isolation, it's almost impossible to really make sense out of it. And I want you to have that app on your phone where they give you the verse every day. But I don't want you to always read the scriptures in isolation. Because if you just take it in isolation, sometimes we don't even read the whole verse and we quote it. And then we think that it didn't work. <laughs> it's not that Romans 8:28 isn't true. All things work together for the good. You just stopped in the middle of the verse. It said, All things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose means that God doesn't decide what is good in your life based on your preference, but his purpose. So then you go through something, and this isn't good. This isn't good. How can this be good? God, isn't, God is good, and this isn't good. What's going on? I thought it was all good. God didn't say that. In the Bible, God didn't say that. He said all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So his purpose comes first, not my preference. Y'all ready? His purpose comes first, not my plan. What happens to us is we get addicted to a plan, and if it doesn't fit the plan, we want to throw it back to God and say, fix this. But God doesn't start with the picture called your plan when he is building the pieces of your life. He's God. He's God. And the truth of the matter is, you can't really judge your life in isolation. You can't really know when you're going through something, whether it's good or not. Don't judge it just yet. One scripture says, judge nothing before the appointed time. 
judge nothing before the appointed time when God will reveal hidden things and bring them to light and the secret things will be laid bare. Judge nothing, no thing. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Now, if I just want to pause it there because I want to double check where what he was referencing just then because I've noticed like that I'm in my head he's mentioning things that are good but then there's other things it's like mm. so when he says like oh um you should never read a scripture in isolation you should read the whole thing I agree with that so if you're going to read a verse you have to read the chapter if you're going to read the chapter you're going to have to read the book or at least have a general understanding of the book and it kind of scales up that way so at least then you can see the context of what it's been used in but then he's kind of mixed it in with some stories and stuff and then gone and said, oh, because I like the bit that he did about Ruth where it's just like, oh, okay, these are the things that we're going through. So you can kind of have an, an understanding of what is going on in the context of that narrative. But then he's... Was that verse given? Second, sorry? Did he say the verse where he got that from? Judge nothing before the... Opinion? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Um, was it was it was he paraphrasing or was he actually uh, actually um, quoting a scripture? Even though he was quoting a scripture, and then he then stuck that scripture to another scripture. But then it's like, well, do we know the context of the first scripture to see whether the context that he's been used he's using it in against another one is? Yeah, first correct. Corinthians four, first Corinthians four, verse five. First Corinthians four five. What does it yeah. say? Um, I read I read it from verse one because it's only five verses. So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motive on men's heart. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Mm. Very interesting scripture, Emily. Could you carry on reading it to verse 10? Uh, yeah. Verse 11. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, verse... Uh, actually, yeah, if you could carry on reading to about verse 13. Okay. Now, brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over against another. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you do, did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have become kings and that without us. How I wish that you really had become kings, so that we might be kings with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honoured, we are dishonoured. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. 
When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. And then I'll just finish off. Um, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. But in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Right. So the reason why I asked you to read that was, this is a blatant misrepresentation of that verse. This man does not know what he's doing. What he's actually doing, there's a, a Greek word, okay, that the, it's a Greek thing that they, it's a Greek word that says putting truth next to error. Parasozusin, something like that, yeah? What he's doing is, he's taking bits of truth and putting them next to error. The question is, how do we discern which bit is the truth and which is the error? The opening message began with, okay, what does he say? I'm not a sextist, yeah? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm stepping into a blessing. Are you stepping into a blessing? Say that to your neighbor, six foot tall. Are you stepping into a blessing? Yeah? So that's his premise for this sermon, to get people to step into blessings, yeah? Mm -hmm. The Lord told me to tell you, it will come together today mm. then he goes on to talk about job singleness if you're single your boaz will turn up if you're poor you know then he was using quotes about not being poor if you're going to college education he was talking about marriage he was talking about purpose and planning these hypocrites and liars their birds are, are of a feather they flock together the message is exactly the same it's devilish it's contrived it's worldly psychology. The Apostle John tells us that they speak of the world. That's why the world listens to them. So before he actually gave them the message, there wasn't a spiritual intention. There was a fleshly intention. The fleshly intention was to whet their appetites. What are their appetites? Job, being not to be single, not to be poor, not to be uneducated, not to be alone. Have a good marriage, have a good purpose, have a good plan. His own words that he used. Now, using Ruth, he completely misunderstood what that message is about. The message is about kinsman redeemer because he, she's of the lineage of Jesus. So what, what it really is about is how God preserved the seed. Because if that seed had been destroyed, you will realize that what Satan has been doing throughout history is trying to destroy that seed because he knew in that seed Jesus would come. This man has no idea what he's actually talking about or preaching. It's a very shallow fleshly message that appeals to those who have no understanding of what Christianity is. It's a call to suffer. It's a call to bear your cross. What happened to the old-fashioned preaching when Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, deny the flesh. But these men are speakers. Look at the, I mean, okay, let's see. So it, does this man look like the scum of the earth? Is he dressed like that? Is his ministry representing that? But, but that's what Paul says, that we have been made a spectacle to angels and to men. This man who lives in a mansion, Paul says, I'm homeless. I'm without food. Hypocrites. That they can stand up and take God's word. Their damnation is assured when a person steps over into the realm of being a false teacher they have 
backslid to the state where the Spirit of God can no longer reach them. You look at Balaam in the Old Testament. God gave him some chances. He said, Lord, shall I go and curse the people? He said, don't do it. He says, Lord, shall I go and curse the people? Don't do it. Third time, he says, yeah, go ahead and do it. The angel of the Lord came with a sword to destroy him. And God opened the mouth of a speaking donkey to try and rebuke him. These men that we see in front of us are, are children of those kinds of uh, false prophets. But Peter calls them teachers. Interesting in, in 1 Peter 2, he says, as there were false teachers amongst the people, there will be uh, false prophets, there will be false teachers. He makes that very clear in Greek as well. There were actual false prophets. That was the, the old world didn't take too much to, kindly to teaching it. They wanted prophecy to be sure. The modern world, because of Greek thinking, wants teaching. This man and men like him are taking the word of God and putting it next to error. Now, as you can tell straight away from the premise of their message and their looks that these men are not from God. He did not come to exalt Jesus Christ. He did not come to, uh, to say to them, if we suffer for the name of Jesus, we're going to be blessed. That's a blessing that he knows nothing about. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They speak nothing about suffering for Jesus' name because they do not preach the cross. The cross brings suffering for Jesus' name. These are hypocrites, these are liars, and their condemnation is assured. I, mean, I have a view. I mean, I've never really listened to him before. I think his message just feels very familiar to my own experience of being in a Pentecostal church. I'm not just talking about my local church. I'm talking about being in a Pentecostal experience. Um, when I say Pentecostal, I'm not saying... It, the fact that it is Pentecost, I'm just saying, when I go around to different churches, different denominations, the conventions, the retreats, the conferences, this is what happens all the time. People take a scripture and they apply it to a situation that's not really got anything to do with the scripture, but you can still link them somehow together. And my, my experience of growing up in the environment that I have is this is what happens all the time. That this is what preachers do all the time, all my life. Mm -hmm. so yeah. wow. For me, it feels familiar. It feels like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've sat there growing up just thinking, well, this is not actually what the scripture is saying. I understand the link. I understand how it, you can take any scripture and apply it to any situation, really. And But this is what preaching has been about. And I think a study has been done on you know, certain churches of, of people of certain colour and looked at the content of their messages and how scriptural they are and found that a lot of the time it is taken out of context because that's what our messages are known by. It's to mm -hmm. apply it to people's situations. So you can take any scripture and just apply it to people's situations. So for me, it's like, I understand, um, it's not like, it's not alien. It's just something that I've just learned to just say, well, this is just how it is. And so for me, I don't see anything that different for, about what he's doing to what I've experienced in my life. Um, mm -hmm. We just, yeah. It's, so I understand why um, people, a lot of people might listen to him from certain, you know, from certain ex Christian experiences mm -hmm. because they've got the, benefit of how how is he better than the preachers that we have 
he speaks more clearly and he's probably going to be shorter. So it's exactly what people hear, but in a clearer, shorter manner. So it's more appealing. What, Emily, what's it appealing to? The flesh, but that's what I'm saying. But oh, yeah. it, it, it's, not I mean, different. it's not different to what I've experienced in my church growing up, in my church environment growing up. Taking a scripture and then just applying it to encourage people in their lives where that scripture isn't actually saying that. Does that mean that does that mean that this is a trend within Pentecostalism? I would say I, I uh, can't talk about Pentecostalism as a whole because I don't know every Pentecostal church, but I can just say, you know, for me, I've heard a lot of messages in my life. I, I've not missed hardly many Sundays. I've been to most conventions, most retreats, most conferences. So that's thousands and thousands and thousands of messages I've heard from different denominations, not just my own. And this is just a general thing that I see all the time. But when you say a general thing, do you mean that the fact that he's linking wrongly two scriptures together? As in, he's taken this situation of how um, um, Ruth has finally found her Boaz and then said, this is how it can apply to your life. You will finally get that job. You will finally get, you know, that this. This is, this is what, this is how people use the scripture do you do you not recognize that this this is the we are told in scripture that this is the technique of false teachers so yeah so what i'm saying is but this is what this is what has yeah, always no. gone on yeah because it's it's interesting emily says that because it's it's true but then it's like this you said that with this one I did the revival culture one now before, and that one is far more wild. But even said with that, as much as the craziness is going on in this, it feels like home. It was just, it, I don't know what it was about. It's just like, it, I wouldn't say it's a, it, wouldn't say it's a Pentecostal thing, but it's generally known from the outside looking in that Pentecostalism is known more for a spiritual experience than it is adhering to scripture because they value the the one-on-one -on -one experience um, the experience God. is dangerous. Yeah, no, I, to no, I totally agree. Scripture, yeah? I totally, I totally agree because it's just like, well, the Holy Spirit bears witness to truth and it conforms to the image of Christ, which you find within the scriptures. But then we have people who abuse that. But because of the spectrum that we're at, how do you, because it's not clear cut, you can't just like draw a line in the sand and say, okay, anything past this point is too far. It's very muddy and it because it navigates between the two it's hard to discern oh, no, no, no. Rich, let me let me correct you there yeah the moment you see truth being put next to error is one of the first signs of an apostate yeah they if you want to catch a mouse yeah they are using real cheese they are trying to use truth for a purpose what he's doing is he's turning the grace of god into something else if you study the book of um, Peter, if you study the whole doctrine of false teachers, what they are doing is they are taking scripture, finding ways to, to break it down to appeal to the flesh. Not totally and, good, yeah. yeah, so what he's done is, he's, when he uses the language of Christianity, yeah, don't let that fool you. Oh, no, it doesn't. That's his cloak. That, that the Lord bless you, this, that, and the other. This, this is all a sham. He is no Christian. 
This no, is a deceiver. Yeah. This is a wolf in in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Yeah, because like it's because I've noticed that, um, especially from the one one of the things I heard like ages ago, like the fact that he's obviously he started with, um, he started with Ruth, so he's not really studied Ruth. Give some context to Ruth, then he mentions some stories and stuff that goes along with it. You get pulled along with the stories. Then he mentions a scripture that um, is out of context. But because of the story he's used, it sounds like it fits. And then he's found another scripture that has similar wording, stuck it to it to enforce that. But then it's like, well, there's two bits of context you've missed from two separate um, separate places in the um, in the Bible. Handling the word of God deceitfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not rightly dividing it. Yeah. I've noticed so many things just listening to him. Uh, he said, I'm not a sexist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, what do you mean by that? Why does he have to bring that in? Yeah, what's the, what's the point of that? Is he, is he afraid to offend somebody in the church? What if someone said to him, we don't believe in women pastors? Is he going to say, I'm not a sexist? Let them be. Or something uh, like that. <laughs> what, what, what is, what is um, teaching about Ruth or Esther or Naomi got to do with being a sexist? Yeah. What, 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 what's teaching about Mary, the mother of Jesus, or... Or um, Mary and Martha, what's that got to do with being a sexist? Or talking about um, the woman at the well, what's that got to do with sexism? You know, um, these yeah. were, you know. Uh, I, I, th I think it's because it's it's basic, isn't it? It's basic teaching that oh, if I teach about it's take the woman at the well, which is something that irritates me the most. How you know people take that story. It's got nothing to do with the fact that the woman was married multiple times. It's the fact that Jesus is the living water without him. Mm. <laughs> you will die. That's the message. But I've never, ever, ever in my whole entire life ever heard a message that and, and that. And so for me growing up, I didn't like hearing messages about women because I knew it was going to be addressed to women's situations. And growing up, I was a bit of a tomboy. So girly things just, you know, I wasn't interested in. I thought, oh, here we go. Here's another girly message about women's stuff that I don't really want to hear. But re growing up and reading things to myself and thinking, ah, oh, when you've read, you know, so for me, reading through John and then getting to the account of the woman at the well, realising, oh, it was never about the fact that she was a woman looking for love. That's not the point of the story, but that's what I've always thought it was, because that's what the messages have always been about. So, and, and, and it's these th kind of things that that's been my experience. So listening to him is no different to many of my experiences um, in that it's just, it's applied to life situations that the scripture is not really talking about. And unless you, unless, and you have to be, and there's many times, let's say someone says, oh, Sister Emily, can you do an encouragement or something? And and when they're talking to me and explaining the premise, in my mind, I have a scripture. Oh, there's a scripture that I've been thinking about. I'll put that. And there's times when I've written the whole thing and then I've thought about the scripture and read around it and thought, oh, I've totally taken that out of context. And then I have a decision to make. I know this will sound good. Do I continue with this scripture knowing it's out of context and no one will really notice? Or do I do the right thing and totally start from again with a totally different scripture? There's so many times when I've had to say, I need to scrap this and start again. 
no, I knew nobody would notice that I've taken it out of context. And I knew the out of context version would sound better, but there's no way I can bring myself to do that. But I, I just assume that that's what preachers do in that this sounds good. It might not be what it means, but it sounds good. So I'll just go with it. And if I, if I say, Emily, I, I, and, and this is good we're having this discussion because I would encourage you not to, not, not to go with that trend. Mm. Um, I hope to God that I don't do that. Um, I, I, I don't feel that I do. Um, and that's why I labor. I, I, when people want you to, to, to come up and do a two minute thing, that's when you you're 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 in you're you're a, you're in a in a dangerous situation to do the soundbite and to titillate um, rather than do an exposition of whatever whatever you, you you want to do, you know. And so um, sometimes because we put so much time constraint and messages and so much time constraint in the Word of God that people resort to just um, you know I. I you know, um, I can't just come up and say this. I got, I got to, I got to um, dig into the people, and I, I'm prepared to tell people. You know, if you're gonna be, you know, of course there are some times when, like you're at the funeral and something happened. You know, uh, uh, you know, I'm prepared to say, look, don't call me Han. You know, don't call me Han because obviously you have not, um, you, you have not factored in for me. You don't even know what you don't even know what the Lord has said to me, and you're calling me on a two minutes before the, the benediction and you want me to say something what to make the people laugh you know you, you know it's just not appropriate the way that we handle the word of god and the pre, the preeminence that we give it uh, the prominence that we give it it's it's back it's backward the word of god supposed to get the dominant place in every service you know and um and we don't do that you know um so so I would call. I would say, Emily, don't don't do that. Don't do that, um, because you know it might be, you know. I, I mean, I mean, um, it might be that, that 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 people do 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 know that um, that, that you you have not been true to the context of the scripture. But 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 nobody's going to correct you. Correct you. It's not the moment for correcting. You know. You you know. Um, you know. So 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 you know. And 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 I and I take. You know there are, you know, and 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 I am. Um, sometimes I tell you, you gotta you gotta get um, a steel like um, grit to preach certain messages because there are messages, Emily, that needs to be preached whether it be about men or women, and that's not sexist and it's not being the other way around either. That needs to be preached, you know, in, you know, and need and and teaching that needs to be taught. That's what. You know, you know, when you when you when you look at the proverbs and think that, you know, human beings, men and women, we have traits about us that that leads down particular avenues. And the Bible is a restrainer on men, it's a restrainer on women. There are things about children, children behave in a particular way um, in general. And therefore, there are specific scriptures that talks about children. There are specific scriptures that I know that women don't like to hear that does talk about women, you know. And and there there, there are scriptures again that the Bible talks about men, you know. And, and and we can't ignore those things, you know, regardless of who is offended and who might be offended, you know. Um, <clears throat> you know, we talk about children obey your parents. Well, it didn't say adults obey obey children obey your parents. And, and we're not that everybody's a child, but 
in the context of the scripture, it's talking about picnics. It's talking about younger people, obey your parents, you know, um, whether it be parents in the Lord or whatever, you know, um, obey your parents. Why? That your days may be long, whatever. You know, so um, I think we are in danger. I think, you know, I think if I go back to this guy, <laughs> I tell you where he, <clears throat> where he's, where, and not just him, and you're right, Emily, sometimes we use the scriptures out of context to satisfy a particular need that we, we a particular need or want that we perceive in people like if people if you're talking about singles um you talk about this particular one you say you will get your boas you know that's not what the scripture is about at all as you rightly say it's not about yeah yeah root did get our boas you know uh, you know but 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 roots ways please god and and that's what the guy did he um when he started to talk about that, I jumped on in my mind and started to write down, um, yes, all things work together. But then I was quite surprised to hear him quoting it because, but then he didn't follow it up because why did it work for Ruth? Because Ruth pleased the Lord in every way in her very confession at the beginning. She confessed, she said, I am no longer a Moabite because Moabite didn't have any right in, 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 the, in, the, um, in the situation that, that Ruth actually ended up in because Moabites were excluded from, from, from things because of their, um, because of their, 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 they were, those were the people that were supposed to be wiped out of the land, you know, but here is Ruth, she repents of being a Moabite. She says, your people are my people. She, she turned against Moabite gods, your God, my God, where you die, there I'm going to die. You know, your people, my people, basically, uh, even if it didn't say your God, I can't remember. But by saying your people, well, if you are the people of God, then, then your God obviously is my God as well, because I am now, I've, I, I've, res I've rescinded from being, uh, I've resigned from being a, a Moabite. And, I, you know, I, don't turn me back, she says, don't turn me back to Moab. You know, don't forsake, don't, don't, don't persuade me to leave you. You know, because I will never leave you, you know, because I want to be like you. I want to be a Jew. I want to be, I want to follow your life. I want to follow your philosophy. I want to be your people. Why? Because Naomi's lifestyle and probably her, and probably her sons um, had won over Ruth from being a Moabite to becoming um, the, 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 um, the person that would be um the great great grandmother of David, who would be what he was, you know. Um, so, you know, I think we need to be true to the scripture, M, uh, Reese, Brother Paramville, whatever, you know, and don't don't go for the sound bites or anything like that, because um, you know, we 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 help, we encourage people to become sound bite people, and that's not what it is. We want we want to um, help people to really look for the depth and the meaning and the purpose and the soundness in the word of God. And that's a, you know, as Brother Parham very rightly said, there are people who are gonna die without husband and wife. There are people, and I know that's a people ready to condemn me when they say, if I said, there are people who are gonna get married, who are gonna get divorced. That's a fact, you know? And it's not me wishing them bad. It's gonna happen, you know? And that's just the reality of life. That's people, we're dealing with people, you know? and. Um, you know, there are people who are going to go to hell. You know, Jesus said, broad is the way and narrow is the way that leads to life and broad is the way that leads. People are going to go to hell. 
you know, this, this is one of the guys leading the way on yeah. that broad way that because many are following. Yeah, because he's given so many people a very shallow belief of God that, you know, you're going to get your Boas. One thing he did say that I quite, um, I, I quite liked, you know, um, you know and, and, and that's why, you know, um, he, he said, look, um, it's not the university you go to is who you associate when you get to the university. And I think that is true. You, you know, and I think what um, the Apostle Paul said, evil communication or evil companies corrupt good manners. You know, so 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 um, it's who you it's who you associate with. I think that what and, and Ruth was there. She associated with good people, mm -hmm. you know, godly people. And so uh, you know, so uh, she sort of uh, sowed the right seed. You know, she was in the right company, listening to the right conversation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he did I... he did take Romans eight twenty eight out of context, and I explained why. Yeah, you can't quote that scripture without recognizing what Paul has just said. No. The whole chapter starts off, therefore there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Yes. This is a fleshly message, yeah? The principle of the word, the, what Paul is saying is that people, look at in verse uh, 19, uh, verse uh, 18, he says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What sufferings is Paul on about? I didn't hear this man mention anything about suffering. He's, he's preaching some kind of social gospel where he thinks the suffering is, oh, singleness is a suffering. Being poor, that's suffering. Being uneducated, being out of job, that's suffering. That kind of suffering is not suffering for Christ. And I mentioned this again and again, that when we approach Christ, we bear his reproach, it means you're suffering for his namesake. Blessed are they that's, uh, you know, that are persecuted. For righteousness. For righteousness. Blessed are you when men shall curse you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my namesake. Did he mention anything about people in his audience suffering for Jesus' sake? They're not suffering. Uh, uh, and, and you know, I mean, and Jesus, Jesus said, to, Jesus rebuked his disciple, you know, in namely um, um, Judas, but in 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 the in the sight of the rest of the, the disciples as well. He's getting the, the message is not just for Judas. He said, look, the poor you have with you, always, as long as this world exists, we will never ever eradicate poverty nor people being poor. You know, that's not to say that we don't do anything to help those who, 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 our neighbors, whoever they be, you know, and the neighbor is quite wide. So if you have the resource and the wherewithal, you, you, you give and you help to support people in either lend it to the poor, the scripture says lend it to his maker, because who make them poor? Well, God Almighty make the poor uh, as well, you know? So, um, so, so we have a response. It's almost like I'm a brother's keeper. You know, if you see somebody, and I'm not talking people, I don't, I don't want to get it out of context because I don't want to say that we go and feed every everybody who's pretending to be poor, you know, and we need to be discerning as well, you know, um, so, um, you, you know, so, uh, you, um, yeah. An, yeah, there, there is another thing I want to say, you know, why are churches taking up worldly causes? Why are they fighting for justice and why are they fighting for and I don't mean in the wrong way, you know, don't get me wrong, yeah? What I mean is, it's right to fight for justice, but what I mean is why are they dropping the gospel and saying we need to stand up and fight for justice, you know? But they're not preaching the gospel. 
I've got no problem with fighting for justice as long as the gospel is preached first and foremost. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I mean, yes, there's been, there are injustices, there are evils, even Jesus acknowledged about those men who um, Pilate has washed his hands in their blood or, you know, about the, uh, the current affairs about, was it how many men were killed under, is it 18,000 that were, the wall fell on and were killed, you know, that's, yeah. what the, that's what they said, oh, what a disaster, you know, that, that, um, that building that got burnt down and the people that died in there, how bad is that, Lord? Yeah, you know, so yes, worldly oppressions and wars and poverty, these, these are important, but the Son of Man came as a servant to do what? save that which is lost to seek and to save the lost but that's what the church he says as my father sent me so i send you i think you're right but apparently to tell you the honest truth yeah we do spend an inordinate amount of time and energy um and the main focus is okay you know it's just like i think but apparent better um reese when you were reading about um some of the um when you're in, in your introduction you're reading about some of the things that they do they they, they, they do this, they do this, they do this, mm. they do this, they do this, they do this, you know. Um, they also they're, claim it back from tax. Yeah, we're quite likely to. They're, they're like a social, they're, they're like a social social work in um, uh, um, church, you know, which I'm, you know, and again, I am very clear that I, I, I and I don't think Brother Parvi is saying anything different either, is that, you know, um, you do good to people. Absolutely. When, it, when it works, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know what, Emily, M, yep, and Brother Reese, mm -hmm. if if I'm gonna do good to you, now I don't need to tell you now if I'm gonna do good to you that say I'm doing it because I'm a Christian. But if I'm doing good to a sinner, I want the sinner to know what drives me to come to his, to come to their rescue because that's my testimony to try to get them to understand that there is a God. You know, um, I, you know, it's it's it's. You know, I want them to ask, I want to lead them into a place where they will discover that I am driven by something other than the world, other than whatever else. You know, I don't know, we don't necessarily so much have to do it in church because we should know that say, I am what I am because of Christ. You know, um, so if I am kind to somebody, if I'm generous to somebody, if uh, it is because of what Christ has done to me in the church circle, we shouldn't really have to, to say, you know, but, 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 but that's it. But in the world, you know, when I'm, if I'm doing anything, you know, I want, I want the person to know, you know, I, I'm doing this because, because, because you are a child of, you, well, you, you are create, you're a create, you're a creation of God and God loves you. And that's why I'm coming over here to buy you a sandwich or whatever, because God loves you and God, and God cares about you, you know, and that's why I'm here. I'm a messenger of God, you know, and I come to give you this sandwich or to whatever it be. Oh, I want people to know who I am. Yeah. I think when we do our good works, we've got to be careful that we don't seem to get that in the wrong context because the Sermon on the Mount is still applicable. It's been twisted and abused by modern theologians like this guy here, you know, um, so-called theologians, twisting the scriptures into what the word actually says into some kind of twisted gospel that they want people to hear. The scripture it's very clear, Jesus is savior first and foremost. The church's first responsibility is to preach repentance. He said he sent out his apostles and told them first, go yeah, and make disciples of all nations. Go and preach the kingdom of God. 
And if you look at it, he said, it says that they went out and preached that men should repent. Why is that in the, in the Bible today? Why has God left that for the 21st century until the end of time? Because the gospel has to be preached. It might be old fashioned. It might not be theologically uh, as attractive as with the uh, appeal of, of people like this guy here who uh, specialize in presentations and uh, the looks uh, and uh, psychology. Uh, and Brother Farnby, you know, yeah. going back to something that Emily said, you know, and, um, and you know, I think even though we have this guy in the spotlight in our own little circle here, you know, um, a lot of his methodology is appealing behavior. You know, when you go on to sometimes these illumin, I mean, and I don't want to many of them, but, um, you know, I, I've been- Yes, yes I noticed their similarities. Very similar, it's very similar, you know, and, and, everything is so polished and nice and appealing and attractive, you know, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be professional in the way we do things, but that's, if professionalism is what's going to be at the top, top of the agenda, you know, I think we've lost the battle there already, you know, it's truth, truth, truth and representation of the, 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 the spirit and manifestation of Jesus Christ and the word of God, those are the top of the agenda for me. You know, not, um, you know, have I got truth uh, in my babbling and babbling? Have I got truth out? Has truth been preached? You know, um, and um, I don't think that the preachers of whole was all that um, um, fancy, fancy people. They got, but they did preach truth. You know, truth was heard, you know, and I think that's what we need to be heard. You know? Well, if, if these men, like him, preach the truth, he wouldn't be where he wouldn't look like this, because he would be persecuted for the truth's sake. Mm, he's this spoken. is a shallow gospel. This is not the true gospel of Christ. Well, well, and, and the thing is, I mean, I mean, I mean, we were going to be discussing him as a person as such, and then reset that say he was leaving that 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 off a bit. But but you know, as I said to you before, when I was opening, and I said, you know. It's the messenger, the messenger's um, style. Um, you know, there are some things that are worldly style. There are some things that are deeply um, serene. Serene. There's a serene. Um, you know, we can be we can be serene. We can be even almost sacred in our approach. You know, um, um, with some gravity and some sagaciousness, whatever. You know. And there's also a flippancy that we can come and demonstrate. And for me, this guy, was a, he, he, you know, it was a little bit flippant for me, you know, in some of his, his, his remarks and things like that. And, and I'm not in some of them, you know, and if that be the dominant thing that I'm seeing, a very um, entertaining guy and things like that, you know, um, it's, um, I don't know that sometimes, you know, I'm not saying that sometimes you don't say things and make, Make, well, I've make, heard his messages, yeah. you know, and I've, I've never heard him before. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's much more dangerous than what you're seeing here. Mm. What you're seeing, yeah, is, you know, the philosophies have an appeal. Yeah. The end of it is death. The end of his philosophy, he's he actually stood up and claimed that he was God. Well, honestly, mm. you can ask Reese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a big debate. This is this is what's caused a stir. Yeah. I'm telling you, these guys are dangerous. Their damnation is secured, the scripture says. Anybody who makes that claim, 
and, and then we who are supposed to be um, children of God, running after that person, we are, we are, you know, whomsoever you make your master, that's, that's who's going to shape your mindset and the way you see the world and the way you think about God. And I think that is, that is dangerous. If that man make that claim, I think that it, and people, um, he make that claim, that's the time for me to part company with him. You know? Because what, um, what I can do is I can, if I make a note of the timestamp on this one, I can actually show you that. Because the thing is, it's as much as it's a debate thing, there's people who sympathize with this guy and say, oh, you know, you haven't watched the whole thing. He's taken out of context as well. But he makes other statements a little bit further on that kind of reinforces this um, this uh, this little God theology thing, because that's kind of where it's come from. It's like a new age thing. Um he mentions uh, well, hold on, let me just make attempts make mention of the timestamp on this one uh 1640 because i guess we'll probably come back to this well, can we finish can we finish this up i'm interested to see it oh again. yeah go on then go on then yeah we can we can look at the other one but um yeah he's he, he reinforces it say you know the word of god is like a mirror um and he mentions something about god so like, oh and every time i look in a mirror i see god essentially he keeps looking at it, looks at the thing and he looks at the audience, looks at the thing, he looks at the audience, looks at the Bible, looks at the audience. It's like, oh, okay, are you trying to? But then people say, oh, you know, it's a slip of the tongue. You didn't mean to say it. And it's like, well, he kind of realized he said it for the mannerisms. But um, yeah, well, we can come to that one um, at a later stage. But I guess we can continue this for, well, uh, so give about like 15, 20 minutes if we can get on any, go any further. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 16. Oh, yeah. So I'll scratch that out. If you love something else more than you love the Lord, Romans 8.28 is going to be hard for you. Because if you love popularity more than you love God, when people leave you, you will think that's not good. But if you love the Lord's purpose more than you love popularity, sometimes you will praise God not for who stays with you, but for who leaves you. Because you believe that the lord is leading my life wow wow i'm just going to pause it there because it's like well that statement is very opposite to his church's ethos because they're like they run on numbers so it's like oh yeah we know that we are doing the lord's work because our church is growing because of the numbers of xyz is more than it was the week before the week before and everyone that tends to follow that model like Mars Hill collapses because that's their sole focus. They will go to by any means. The seeker sensitive thing is, you know, get as many people into your church. Rick Warren is the almost like the, I wouldn't say the grandfather, it's one of the biggest um, uh, movements for this sort of thing where they're like purpose driven church of, you know, draw these people in and get the bums on seats. And that shows that, um, you know, that, you know, God is drawing all these people in and um, our churches are growing. Was like, well, but if you were to check with these people individually, what they know about the Bible and what they know about their spiritual walk, you might find that like there was this one instance where I was reading something where this lady was agnostic. I didn't necessarily believe in, she believed in a God, but um, no, well, was she an atheist, but she appreciated this guy's messages and she was listening to it for four years, but at no stage did she feel like, oh, you know, I might need to find out more about Christ. She's in isolation. She's been watching it. She's never gone to a church before, but she's watching it on the internet and she's listened to that for four years and she's liked the messages, but never got to a point where it's just like, do I need more than this? Or, you know, what do I, what must I do to be saved? That never came up. But then you've got people in the audience 
um, who I must also point out are mic'd up so you can hear the responses to what he's saying, who enjoy this thing day in, day out, day in, day out. And it's like, well, out of the amounts of people that you've got in this church, do you know where all of these people are um, um, spiritually? And yeah, <laughs> The thing is, you know, I've heard Richard Dawkins, I think it's him. If it's not him, it's, it's an atheist of his caliber. Um, I think it's him. He says, you know, they don't mind the Christian things, but it's God. It's the God thing in it, that, they, that they don't like. So, 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 you know, you can talk about being kind, being good and whatever else and all those kind of things that Jesus talked about. So we don't mind all those principles and things, but mm. it's God and Jesus that we, that, those are the offensive things, you know. Um, so what they're saying, we don't have a problem with, but it's them. You know, mm. the especially the cross, especially the cross. The preaching yeah. of the cross is, is, is damnation to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The savor of death. For us, it's life, but to them, it's death. That's what they hate, because they know inside that one day they're going to have to stand before him and give an account. Hmm. Willfully. I thought, you'd say, I thought I'd just drop that in. <laughs> just say he made that mention, and just like, well, that's completely against your ethos. So I thought I'll just drop that in. So I apologize. I'll continue running it. No, that's okay because because the, because that's what you listen out for for false preachers. You know, you listen for contradictions. Hmm. One breath you say something, another breath you say something else. You're a contradiction. You know, it's like like me, brother Reese. If I'm telling that, say, okay, I don't believe in uh, A, B, C, D, and the next thing I'm saying, you know, um, I'm giving you a different. Uh, I'm confused. It's called confusion and hypocrisy. Hmm. It's hypocrisy. He's, he's saying I'm the opposite, but yeah. his life and his fruits show he's one of the biggest hypocrites, just like the rest of them. You know, like Rick Warren. T.D. Jakes, uh, Kenneth Copeland, the list, uh, mm. Joyce Meyer, the list goes on and on. And he stands on their platforms. Mm. Uh, that's why I said birds of a feather flock together. They are all deceivers. Yeah. And if they were stood for Christ, they would suffer for him. They mm. cannot suffer for him. They will not suffer for him. I guess we'll have to see where he, where he goes with this. <laughs> wow. It will come together. We make the mistake of thinking that everyone who starts with us will stay with us. And when it doesn't happen that way, this is not a sermon about abandonment or divorce, but I do want to talk about those issues because, well, in the book of Ruth, you have this woman named Naomi who goes to a place called Moab where there is something to eat for her family, and through no fault of her own, she watches her husband and her sons, 10 years later, die in front of her eyes. Her two daughters-in-law are committed to stay with her, Ruth and Orpah. And there's a reason that this is not called the book of Orpah, <laughs> because she left. There is a reason that I said, turn in your Bible to the book of Ruth. Because Ruth, stay. Put this in your heart. Whoever left you in your life, whoever walked away from you in your life, was not part of God's purpose for your current season. 
It doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean they're evil. It doesn't mean you need to make a voodoo doll and stick a pin in their left ear trying to get them to have an earache. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you need to talk crap about them. It doesn't mean that you have to want them to fail. It doesn't mean you have to go out and buy a new car to show them you made it and drive by their house and they're not even home. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means, can I preach? God doesn't build my life on people who left. So one thing I'm learning to appreciate at this stage of my life is the providence of God. The, the providence of God. The providence of God. The, the plans of man and the providence of God are two totally different things. The, the man directs his steps in his mind. God orders his steps in real life. And so maybe I'm preaching to somebody today who is like Naomi. You know, when we walked into Ruth chapter 4, it looked like everything was going good. And on the surface, it, it sounds like this is a moment to be happy. And it is. It is. If you look at it in isolation. But understanding what led up to this moment, I think, gives me a greater appreciation for who God is and what he is able to do. Let's look at it a little deeper because even the book of Ruth is an interesting book. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. What's Ruth doing between all those big books? Why is there a book in the Bible about one woman from Moab. Moab is not Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, not Moab. Moab was not even seen. I could do this real quick. Moab was like you went to school in Chapel Hill and you are cheering for Coach K to say, that's, that's, you see what I've said, that level of hatred right there? <laughs> you, you felt it coming through the room, and this is a local illustration, okay? I could use another one somewhere else. What is a woman from Moab doing between the, the, the five covenants in the Bible? Write down the word covenant in your notes, please. Covenant is a concept we would do well to understand in our current contemporary society. We don't understand it at all. We don't understand commitment at all. We just understand convenience. Even when we say marriage vows, we don't really mean half of what we're saying. We're saying, as long as you make me happy, I'll be with you. And we don't really mean what we're saying. And, and I'm not saying that to shame anybody. I'm just saying sometimes we would do well to understand these verses in their context. Because God made a covenant with Noah, he said, I never flood the earth again. That's the first covenant. There are five covenants. The Bible is structured around five covenants. The Noahic covenant, I will never flood the earth again. It means there's going to be a limit on human evil. The Abrahamic covenant, which God said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. Count the stars if you can. Count the sand if you can. And Abraham goes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is going to take a long time, God. And God said, exactly. It's going to take a long time for me to show you what I'm going to do through you, and your descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. If you can believe it and receive it, even though you are past childbearing years, I am going to bring forth a life out of your wife's dead womb that will bless the whole world, and I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. That's the Abrahamic covenant. 
Then you've got the Davidic covenant, which God made with David, the second king Israel had. You remember Saul, the one that the people wanted? And then David, and he's like, this is my guy right here. He's after my heart. And he said, I'm going to establish a throne from you. Now, you forgot about the Mosaic covenant where God had to bring his people out of Egypt. And then the new covenant, how many thank God for the blood of Jesus that lets me know that I can't keep the law and what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by my flesh. God did by sending his son, Jesus, the son of David, to be a sin offering in my place. And upon Jesus was placed all of my transgression and all of my shame. So whatever shame I carried into church today as a child of the new covenant, I carried it illegally because Jesus took it. And whatever he took, he intends to keep and deal with. So I've got to give it back to him over and over and over because God has already made up his mind about me. He already made up his mind about me. He's not looking to see if I get it right or if I get it wrong. He made a purpose for my life, and it will come together. Say it. It will come I feel like preaching this like it's Code Orange Revival, but you won't help me. Touch three people. Tell them, it will come together. It, it will. It will. I know it's taken a while. I so I'm just going to stop it there uh, for two reasons. Mm -hmm. um, he talks about context, and this is where I think you see where his seminary thing comes into play. Like He's giving context of how like things in the Bible are kind of laid out. That I like because it's a case of I, you're giving context to understanding. So if you're going to go into scripture, you have some sort of um, sort of platform or something to anchor on when you're you're diving in. So then you can see things in its proper context. I get that, but then it's hypocritical because you've just spent the last nearly half an hour taking things out of context. <laughs> it makes, the, but then it's like it's wrapped up with him being. And admittedly, he is a very good communicator. Like he needs yeah, people, he draws them in, yeah. goes through this emotional journey and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and the only other thing I'd mention is that he's mentioned the was it the Cold Orange revival? That is worth looking into, especially when he invited. Um, oh, is it Matt Chandler to his church? This is going like plus ten years ago. He mentions something knowing how um uh stephen furtick was back in the day but this is early on so like he's in his i think he must have been like his late 20s or maybe he's like his early 30s and he mentions a lot of things very sharply to the congregation about the very stuff that is going on now like he wasn't in his form like this at that point but match um i'm sure his name's match and i'll have to i'll have to double check but he 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 essentially, people said like he prophesied that this thing was going to happen, but he very much speaks of, you know, you are not David, you know, you're not, you haven't got a, um, a Goliath in your life, et cetera, et cetera. If anything, they know the Bible is not about you. It's about God and his glory and the name, um, his name and the glory and things like that. And you just happen to be included through salvation, but you know, you're not David, 
you haven't got a Goliath. If anything, if you want to place yourself in the story, if anything, you're the you're the Israelite army who are carrying in the corner. That's kind of who we are. So he kind of directly chops these things into this um, this very sort of write yourself into all the hero stories and say that you know things are going to get better for you sort of thing. So I find it interesting how he makes reference to that because that like he essentially um, I'm sure his name's Matt Chandler. He burned down all of this at that point, and it's almost as if the congregation didn't get it. So I find it very interesting personally how he's made reference to when his own church was um, proverbially burnt down by someone who handled the word of God correctly. But I thought I'd just drop that in. I'll tell you what as well, though, um, and um, and this 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 is a danger as well. And I think some I, I I have heard this kind of a thing in our churches as well, and um, and uh, but it is not too bad if we if we get it into context, you know. And it's this repetition thing, yeah, is can be dangerous, especially you know. It will all come together. It will all come together. That's what he, he, he's, he's mm. hammering on. Yeah, but but the, the the truth is, what does coming together look like? You know, it's not all um, a happy ending fairy story in this life. You know, so um, it came together for the Apostle Paul. He was clubbed to death. It came together for. Um, but he did. He, he did confess. He said, "I have, I have fought a good fight, you know. And it's coming together. I'm gonna be clubbed to death, <laughs> you know, um, for Jesus Christ, you know. Um, you know, all the apostles and the many, many thousands of Christians during the time. They, it all came together for them. They died. We, we believe that um, Isaiah was Isaiah was martyred as well, and and some of the others. It came together for them, you know. So coming together does not necessarily mean you're gonna get a Boaz, you're gonna get a good education, as Brother Parmvir said. It doesn't it it doesn't mean you're not you're you're free from cancer, you know. Um, it doesn't mean any of those things. But but the way that the thing is is actually suggesting it's gonna come together for good for good. Yeah, but you know what that good is? That good is not necessarily material good. The good is you're gonna overcome. It's gonna it's gonna come together that you're gonna have a good reward of God if you don't if you hold out until the end. You know, um, and people, you know, so um, so I'm saying that drumming emphasis coming together for good. It needs a lot of clarification. What is gonna come together? What does it look like? Some some of us gonna die. Some of us, not, some of us not gonna make, not, 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 not gonna be here when Jesus Christ come. We're gonna be sleeping in the grave. Some of us, we're gonna lose our job. Some of us are not. Those who don't lose it, you have a responsibility to look after your neighbor. You know, some of us are not gonna, are not gonna get married. And you, you know, um, don't, don't, um, don't lord it either in appearance or in attitude over those who are not married. Some people are gonna be, some people are gonna be divorced or whatever, you know, it's gonna happen. Yeah. You know, um, these are the realities of life, you know, you know um, so, so we need to be very, very balanced in what coming together looks like. And I don't think he is balanced. Would you say, Pastor Alfred, that he is a model to the congregation of what coming together looks like? 
Because he has that million, what is it, multi million, 55 million, yeah, 5 million yeah, dollars. Yeah. yeah, he's got a 17 million dollar mansion. Yeah, he hangs around with Ruth, uh, what's her name, uh, Joyce Meyer, who's got a 280 million pound mansion. So it looks like it came together for them. Because I was even thinking, that that, I think that, yeah, yeah <laughs> you say that. No, no, I'm saying, will that does is that what the congregation is looking for? Because what this man doesn't realize is. If you stand in God's um, in between God and man, and God is using you, He has no idea what that means because God can break you, break you, break you, break you. I hope you've enjoyed this journey so far. It has taken many twists and turns that not even I had anticipated, but we haven't even finished going into the full extent of this sermon as of yet at the top of this recording so i hope you can join us with the next episode we do have some other episodes that need to be dropped through as well just to keep the pace up and make sure we don't lose those ends but until the next one take care and god bless